0: We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that! You don't got time set! Right? Let's go! Crank it! Crank it!
1: Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's
0: happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. KU football is having walk on tryouts coming up uh on Monday. Nick, are you going
3: to try to take part? Do you have any eligibility left? Um I don't know if I have any eligibility left. I think I could probably re enroll for a masters or something at KU maybe. Uh the bigger issue is I don't know what position I would play. Uh, for for people that, that that don't know me, I'm like I'm like five ten a buck forty on a good day. So can you like kick? Yeah, I mean kicker's the only feasible position that can I can you kick? Uh no. Okay. No, I can't kick. Can you? Could we train you to be a long snapper? I mean, you're um, still gonna have to go down and make a
0: tackle. But
3: yeah, that, that's that's scary. That, that's that's concerning that I'd have to do something like that. I mean, maybe I could be a long snapper. I mean, I've got a pretty good, you know. I mean, really, I don't want to shame long snappers, but mm-hmm. I mean, what? How hard is it to long snap? You just throw it behind <laughs> you. And then you run downfield and try to make a tackle, right? Okay. So you can do that. All
0: right. We're gonna we're gonna see if Nick can can try out. <laughs> right uh Kansas DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports teams from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive one hundred dollars in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN. Plus one lucky customer will win a one hundred thousand dollar free bet. You know, you, you can't bet yet, but hypothetically you could Pick the Chiefs in their preseason game this weekend against the Washington Commanders. Why you would bet on preseason football, that's your decision, not something I would implore, but maybe it makes the game more fun for you, so uh, that would be something that I guess you could take a look at. Again, uh, we'll have things up and running here in September. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KLWN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer, One hundred dollars Issued as four twenty-five dollar free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. Ends first day. DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co/ks. We are exactly two weeks out from today, from the first KU football game, which of course you can hear right here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 Kiss. We're gonna have a uh, live show. We're gonna be doing live shows out of Big Mill this year for the uh, KU football home games, which is awesome because. Big Mill is is walking distance to the stadium. It's it's driving right through. If you're on Ninth and uh, oh gosh, is it? I don't know, Michigan, Indiana, one of those. Uh, you should know where Big Mill is because uh, it is absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, so we're going to be doing live shows out there, giving away t-shirts and some tickets. I know at the first one, we have a bunch of NASCAR tickets to the uh, Kansas Speedway event that we're going to be giving away. I think we're going to hopefully have some KU football tickets to give away again this year, like we did last year. So uh, come on out for that event. That'll be coming up in a couple weeks. And of course, you can hear it here on KLWN, but being two weeks out from the first KU football game, as we've been doing with our series here, kind of counting down the start to the season, looking at things with the number two. So two was a pretty big number for KU last year. It was the exact amount of wins they had. It was also uh, in a big part. I mean, the reason why they got to their second win is because they converted a two-point conversion from Jared Casey. So. As they look into this year, that makes it so that three wins is an improvement. That's obviously an important conversation and topic and, and everything. And um I, I think beyond that, I, I just there's a part of me that wonders like if we went back in time and we changed the result of that two point conversion, right? It was just dropped incomplete or Jalen Daniels got sacked or whatever happened. Like what what is the repercussions of that? First of all, Jared Casey is is not the household name. He's not getting Applebee's. Is Jared Casey still emerging over the last two weeks like he did? I don't know. He might. He might not. And what are our thoughts on Jalen Daniels? I think we still think that it's going in the positive direction, but maybe there's not as much hype. But most importantly, if Kansas finishes last year at 1-11, at that point, all three of their last games would have been competitive. They didn't win any. I think there'd still be positive talk and, and an idea that things are moving forward. But I wonder how different the momentum and, and how different everything would feel right now.
3: Honestly, I don't think it would really be that much different because I go back to the Carter Stanley game against Texas that they almost that KU almost won, and in, I think that was 2018, maybe 20, yeah. 2017. It was Brent I think first game, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2019, 2019, 2019, yeah, yeah. So you look at that game, and that's kind of where I compare. Is like after that game, it's still even even in a loss. There was so much positive energy around K football at that time. People were excited. Carter Stanley played great. It was an exciting game. They almost won. And that, that did kind of carry over a little bit more, even though it was a loss. So I, I look at that, and I think this would kind of be the same thing. Like It would have been extremely disappointing, but to go on the road against Texas and to do that again, to have another game where you're one play away from beating them, and it was really a close game— I don't think it would necessarily change that much, and I don't think it would really change the expectations for this season. I mean, I think I still think the expectations for the season were going to be higher, regardless, based on the end of last season, the second season of Lance Leipold, a full off season, spring camp, everything. Right? Like to me, the expectations for this season were always going to be much higher, uh, because of those facts. Not notwithstanding whether or not they would have beat Texas or not. I still think, just based on the last three games, even if those three games were losses and they hadn't won against Texas, I still think it would have been about the same, because you would have had like I said, a full off season with Lance Leipold, his second season, so feasibly you would expect a jump in his second season anyways, so to me I think maybe with the Jared Casey's situation, it might have changed a little bit if he doesn't make that play, but he still I think he he still had a great game overall in that Texas game, right? Uh, just beyond the two-point conversion, so I don't think it would necessarily change that much big picture-wise from the expectations coming into the season for Lance Leipold and, and KU just because of it's a second season, he had a full off season, the fact they had already played so well in the last three games, again, regardless of the win, to me, I feel like it's I feel like it's about the same. I mean, I guess the only way you could look at it differently would say would would be if KU wins two games this year mm-hmm. and they're two and ten, would if they had been one and eleven last season, would you say that this year at two and ten was an improvement? Or if KU wins two games this year, having won two games last year, would you call it an improvement then? Yeah, that's that's where it,
0: it really lies for me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, to be clear, if they did only win one last year and then they won two this year, I don't think we would be looking at it as like this is this huge improvement. No, I don't but think But you so, could right? at least tell yourself, okay, it went in the positive arrow. The bigger question to me is if they got to three wins this year. Because I think right now, if this team gets to three wins this year, It'll be seen as like a mild success. You improved yes. from last year. You hit the over on the Vegas over under win total. At that point you're beating most likely two power five teams unless you go back to the hypothetical of what if you lose the Tennessee Tech <laughs> and then win three other games. But three would be a mild success. I don't I don't think three would be seen as like some, hey, this is, you know, such a great thing that has happened to us, right? But if they only won one last year and then won three this next year. It's almost like I, I wonder if there would be so much more momentum of how much more you improved from one year to the next.
3: Maybe, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think I think most KU fans would sit here and say, three wins. You're right; it's a success for this season. If you get three, if you get three wins and you're competitive in you know eight out of your eight, eight what are the other games, right? I think most KU fans would call that a success. Four wins, I think, is. A massive success, yeah. like that's like party, four wins. Man. Yeah, four wins. You're like over the moon, right? So it it seems maybe in some ways kind of silly to think that one win could change the mindset or the optimism around the program that much. But just because of the recent history and obviously not having very many wins to celebrate to begin with over the over the last ten plus years, yeah, there, it does feel like there would be that big jump in terms of three wins to four wins. And I think, like you said. Having only one win last year, I mean, if you're just scoreboard watching and you say one wins last year, three wins this year, suddenly maybe that does make it look like a more of a bigger success on paper at least. I think for fans of the program that watch the games and pay attention to it, they would they would probably, I still think view three wins as more of a milder success because of the Texas game last year. Even if you don't win it, obviously it was still a very close game. Like you would still, you would still feel like you need to be getting the three wins. Like mm-hmm. I, I think if if they only had one win last year and they only got two wins this year. I don't know how much that would feel like a big success because I think we are operating under the assumption at this point in time that KU presumably is going to win against Tennessee Tech. So at that point, two wins this year versus two wins last year, but one of your wins is Tennessee Tech. You know, that suddenly doesn't seem as shiny and exciting on paper. So that's where I think you get where you feel like you need to win at least three for it to be a success. I I think. I think two wins for KU this season would be seen not as a failure, but not as anything to be super excited about, unless they unless they play like seven or eight games that are all one possession games, and they're you know what? Yeah, it'd have to be a real good three wins. Or, yeah, where it or makes a real feel good like two wins. They were
0: really close to six or something like that. Yeah, or or even a real right. good two wins. Right. Yeah. Where yeah, you 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 know you almost beat Oklahoma again, and this time on the road, and you almost beat Texas in all these, these games. We're a lot closer. Okay, uh, the next number here. Two was the amount of rushing touchdowns for Tory Lachlan and for Jason Bean. Each of them individually had two last season. Those are two players that I keep circling on the offense and putting the question mark next to it in terms of I have no idea what their role is truly going to be. Like, obviously... We know like the bare bones of it. Tory Lachlan is in the running back room, and he'll get some maybe carries and pass protection and opportunities to, to catch passes out of the backfield. But he's a guy who came in as a quarterback out of high school, was a receiver last year before you had this attrition at the running back room, and then he moved over there. So are we going to see him at all maybe a, a, a receiver? Are we going to see him as a punt returner, a kick returner, or something like that? And then for Jason Bean... Obviously, again, like on paper, we know he is the backup quarterback. They value that position. And I don't think we're going to ever see him fully move, at least this year, into a full-time receiver running back role. But could we see it on certain plays? Could we see Wildcat? Both of
3: those guys are very interesting to me in what their role could look like. Yeah, based on the discussions from the coaches on Monday when we had that audio... Yeah, it sounds like Jason Bean specifically is someone they value very much as being a backup quarterback in case Jalen Daniels gets hurt or whatever reason, whatever the state of their or maybe Jalen Daniels just doesn't play well to start the year. I mean, who knows? You know, so they clearly value him at that position. So I I think I agree with you on that. And then yeah, the the Tory Lachlan case is interesting because, like you said, now all of a sudden you had an attrition situation at the running back room last year. Now all of a sudden you've got. As Lance Leipold said, you got five guys in the running back room that have played Division One football and played played in a Division One football game, right? So how are you supposed to get all those guys involved in a meaningful way? I don't even know if you can, right? So what does that look like for Toy Lachlan? Is he shuffled? Is he shuffled down behind the other guys, uh, Devin Neal, Kai Thomas, Sevian Morrison, even Daniel Highshaw, who's been kind of getting some some more love recently? And so that becomes a question at that point. You know how what's his role look like, and and can he? Will, could he transition back into a slot receiver type guy maybe to come in? But we already know there's there's a lot of competition in the wide receiver room. I mean, the whole theme of Monday's press conferences was competition. Everybody wanted to talk about the competition in the quarterback room, competition running back room, wide receiver room, defense, linebackers, secondary. Like That was kind of the theme. So if you consider that and you think about, okay, well, here, here's a guy who has jumped around positions and he's trying to move into to a different position maybe again. That's probably going to hurt him in terms of what kind of reps he's going to be able to get, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think that's a fair question. I, I think, I think, I agree with you on the to the extent that we kind of, we kind of know what Jason Bean is going to be, uh, barring injury to Jalen Daniels or barring, you know, he gets off to a really horrible start. But the Tory Lachlan case is is a bit more complex, just because, may and maybe this is something more new to KU football that. They do have a lot of guys that you could feasibly argue could get more playing time at various positions, which maybe in some cases, I mean, we heard from Lance Leipold, he said at the beginning of last year they were just pulling guys to get on the plane to fill the plane wherever they're going, right? That doesn't sound like it's going to be the case this year. There's going to be a lot of different mouths of guys that are trying to get playing time and and get reps, so who knows what's going to happen with that.
0: All right, next one is two is the amount of receiving touchdowns had by Jared Casey. We mentioned him in the two-point conversion thing. What is his role going to look like this season? You could convince me that because of what he did, I mean, what he did over the last couple weeks of the season, you you saw more production from the tight ends position than you did at any other point through the season. You could convince me he is the best tight end. You could also convince me that, okay, but they have these other guys who maybe have higher potentials that maybe they're going to get more run to early on or or maybe uh, you had some injuries that you were dealing with last year. I, I can't quite decide if, if I think he's going to be like the starter or just a guy who rotates in.
3: Yeah, I was still trying to parse out Andy Kolonicki's comments from Monday about what kind of style of offense KU is even going to be. I mean, are they going to be a three tight end, one receiver, we're going to run the ball offense? Or are they going to maybe open things up a bit more? And I'm kind of leaning more towards, it sounds like, if they have those guys, I mean did hear from Lance Leipold talking about, hey, you know, if we're going to have multiple running backs on the field, we're probably going to be facing a lot tougher boxes, you know, eight-, nine-, ten-man boxes. So they have to be wary of that, obviously. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why we might not see some formations like that where there's only one receiver and three tight ends or two tight ends, two receivers, whatever that may be. So in that way, I, I think certainly if there, you have three tight ends on the field, Jared Casey's got to be one of them, right? I mean, yeah. I would assume. So I, I think we'll see about that. I, I'm i not really sure. Again, I'm, I was trying to figure out based off of uh, Cole and Nicky's comments about where the KU offense is going to go early in the season, like what's going to be kind of their identity. And you heard some questions about that. Again, most of it's focused on the running game. So to me it seems like they're going to be focusing more on the running game early in the year, and that could include tight ends and the blocking. That could include tight ends and play-action pass. So. I think Jared, I, but again, I, I, Lance Lightpole is not the type of guy that's going to be like, Jared Casey is someone who received a lot of media attention because of what he did at the end of the season and what he did, but I don't think Lance is the type of guy who's going to say, okay, well, because of that, we're going to keep playing him, right? He's going to play the whoever the best tight end he thinks is out there. He's not the type of guy that's going to be partial to some to other players, you know. So I think from that standpoint, you're right. I think some other tight ends could come in and potentially. Take some time away from Jared Casey. Yeah.
0: Uh, Casey, in the last two games of the season last year, eight catches. Mason Fairchild and Trevor Cardell combined through, it looks like they played uh, 11 games between the two of them, 18 catches. So certainly a lot more production. But I I definitely think the the run-blocking side of things is going to play in very importantly to that position group. Two is also the amount of interceptions that Jacoby Bryant had, which led the team last season. It's also the amount of pick sixes Kansas had last season, one of those came from Jacoby Bryant in the Texas game. That's one way that Kansas can massively improve the defense and just improve the team win total. It's forcing more turnovers, and it's converting a lot of them into six right away. Like I I think back to the the 2018 team. I mean, they were one of the two or three best teams in terms of turnovers forced on that end of the field, and that led to you winning three games with a situation where you probably should have won four, five, or six. And also, two is Jacoby Bryant's number. As well. Yeah. That's That's his number. Jacoby Bryant and Lawrence Arnold. Yep. For both of them. Who do you think has a bigger impact this year?
3: Ooh. Maybe Lawrence Arnold because it seems like he's maybe in position to be more of a number one guy. Yeah. I I think there's a
0: better chance he is the number one starter whereas Bryant could end up being behind Kalen Gervin and Cameron Dabney or Romello Dotson. Uh, I I think there's a competition there so I would agree with you there. The last one I have here. uh, Number two would be the most Big 12 wins, so not just overall wins, but just Big 12 wins for Kansas since 2008. Normally all these the, this stuff we talk about is, hey, they haven't won more than three since 2009 or this since 2009 because 2009 was the last year of Reese and Man Mangino. They didn't even win two conference games that last year, Mangino. Hey, I, I'm going to read off real quick the number of Big 12 wins from 2009 on. This is going to sound like I'm speaking like computer coding. One one zero zero one one zero one zero one one zero one. I hope I didn't cuss in computer there on the radio. <laughs> That's been KU's win totals in the Big Twelve. So to get to two in the Big Twelve would be a pretty monumental hit for this coaching staff in year two.
3: Yeah, and I think probably it could be doable. I mean, you look at West Virginia, you look at Texas Tech, you look at TCU. Who KU always KU always plays TCU pretty close, and I mean, if you want to get really crazy, be the most optimistic Texas, optimistic KU fan, Texas, yeah, <laughs> right. Like there's four, you know, there's four, three or four opponents there that you feel like you have a shot against, and they played West Virginia really close last year, they played TCU really close last year, so two. Again, it's going to come down to getting Tennessee Tech under your belt, hopefully in in convincing fashion and then West Virginia right right then right so if you look at if you consider West Virginia as a team that KU could beat in the big to to open big 12 play they absolutely have to have a very strong Tennessee Tech game right in order for you to have enough confidence to believe they can beat West Virginia at that point so there's one right out the gate that they're going to have to take care of and the issue with KU's schedule is a lot of their quote unquote more winnable games are in the front half so that kind of puts even more pressure i think on the coaching staff and on this team to start the season quickly with a quick win, a nice win against Tennessee Tech, and then hopefully you can just keep building on that, right? Because especially in college, I think college football more so than maybe in the NFL, momentum certainly is important. It certainly is is a factor week to week, right? Of You've got these young guys who, you know, riding the high of big wins or whatever or or feeling confident, they're going to play better. Uh, I don't think that's so much the case in the NFL week to week, but in college it certainly is. So from that standpoint, if you're looking for just one Big 12 win and West Virginia right there, tennessee tech that puts even that puts even more pressure on performing well in that game yeah it does he's nick springer exactly right there i'm Derek
0: johnson this is rock chalk sports talk brandon McAnderson is going to join us in about 15 minutes from right now we've got some more rcst trivia coming up later and we'll get into kevin warren's comments from earlier today this is rock chalk sports talk on fm 1017 1320 klwn depending on it Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card, too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, you shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Join now as we are during football season on Fridays by Brandon McAnderson, former KU Orange Bowl winning running back, member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Two weeks from today, the first KU football game of the season taken on Tennessee Tech. BMAC excitement level, scale of 1 to 10. Fourth. <laughs> so way off the page there um I, I guess what's the what's the player or unit or i don't know just just overall thing you're most excited to see once we see a live version of kansas against another opponent on the field
2: i want to watch Jalen daniels play football you know he plays with uh, so much joy um he throws such a like a perfect spiral with so much velocity I love how elusive he is in the open field. I'm interested to see how the extra pounds of muscle will contribute to him being able to maybe extend run plays or extend pass plays in the pocket. He's just a really fun player to watch. You know, being on the sideline at that Texas game against West Virginia when they were scrambling to get a score late, Uh, he's just an impressive guy. I'm looking forward to watching him play.
0: Well, I, I want to focus a little on the running backs today. Who better talk the running backs than yourself? And as camp has gone on, we've heard a lot of hype on Daniel Highshaw. Obviously, we, we saw a bit of him as a freshman when it was already impressive enough of the game-ready size that he had at, at that young age, coming in just looking like a man. It comes off that injury last year, which... You don't know how a guy's gonna respond is it's gonna take a little bit longer, but it seems like he is really impressing so far through camp. Give us the scouting report on Daniel Highshaw. What makes him such a good running back for KU?
2: So I went and watched I got to watch a scrimmage last week and um it's not hype. I mean this guy is impressive. And I think that, you know, for Kansas fans. We got a small glimpse of him, but that was honestly when our offensive line performance was at its lowest. So it's hard to, you know, determine what a back will be against it. you know with a plan behind an O line that's really struggling. So I think this will be the first time you, that people get a chance to see him. He's not extremely different than Devin Neal. They have some similarities. I would say that Devin's um, a little smoother in and out of cuts. Everything that. Daniel Hyshaw does looks explosive. Walking onto the field, I I worked a camp with him. He looked explosive training other kids when he wasn't even working out. So he's just a a powerhouse. He's quick. He has a low center of gravity. I think the difference between him and Devin is that the way he finishes runs at the end to where it it can be a dangerous situation for a DB trying to tackle him. Uh, And it's not that Devin now couldn't do it. But I mean this guy'll hit you and you'll turn into a speed bump. So he is uh he's impressive and he's going to be someone that is going to factor into the offense in a major way.
0: Is is it going too far to say, like, is there a, a possibility, and I'm not saying this would necessarily be the case, but like is there at least a, a high enough percentage chance that Daniel Highshaw could even emerge as the team's number one running back, or would you not go that far?
2: I wouldn't go that far, and that's not a that's not a has anything to do with the with highshaw, I think devin Neal's just that good i uh, he's just different you know his uh his his balance his ability to learn the position so quickly. the guy just turned nineteen years old, nineteen just turned nineteen um his top end speed his hands I think devin's a better player uh I just don't think Shaw's far behind. I think devin is the kind of leader that this team needs. I think he cares in the way this team needs his maturity matches up. He, he is the total package. Uh, we don't know what high seller is yet because he hasn't really got a chance to prove himself um, you know, on a, an extended amount of reps. So he could be all those things too. But right now, Devin is such a sure thing and such a, a major part of what this program can be. So I don't see that happening.
0: We heard Andy Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator, last year give the comment of like, how many running backs do you need. He said, you at least want a pair and a spare and obviously this year they have even more than that with pretty much five deep when you add those guys we just talked about with High Shawn Neal. Kai Thomas obviously coming over after having an ultra-productive season at Minnesota who was on a nine-win team. Savion Morrison's former four-star. Torrey Laughlin did some impressive things for you when you needed him to at the running back spot last year. Uh, how do you go about trying to size this up in terms of guys playing – uh, whether it's, do guys have just different roles of, of certain plays, what they're good at? Is it just whoever are the top two, just kind of bury the rest? Like, like, how do you kind of envision this working out with such a deep running back room?
2: So early in the season, I think it'll be more about, I think Devin will be the starter and the lead back. And I think that, um, I think Kai Thomas will be the guy that spells him when he needs a blow. And I think that Shaw will be the extra back when they're doing stuff. You know what I mean? When they when they have some gadget stuff or they want to get two backs on the field uh, or they have a package of plays they want to see high shot. I think that's how it'll break down early. And and that's just an embarrassment of riches. You know, if you're not even all, you haven't even gotten to a four-star player like Morrison who's impressive in his own right um, and let alone a guy like Torrey Lachlan who's a committed special teams player, good blocker, good hand catcher, a guy that contributed in a major way before his injury. So that's just a deep, deep group. And I think that's how it'll break out. You know, I think they'll have a tendency to ride the hot hand. You know, if you give a guy, is explosive enough and talented enough that he's going to get three, four, or five carries just to see how he does. Now, if he goes crazy on those carries, it's not just going to be four or five carries. It's going to be a lot. So I think there's part of it is just, What's going on in that particular game? How is he responding to the package of plays that he's gotten? And then what did he do with those opportunities? So I think it's just going to be a matter of who's going right now. Let's keep them going. Uh, what other ways can we get them involved? And I, I think it's an innovative offensive staff with Coach Kogelnicki, uh, Leipold, and uh, Coach Zabrowski. I think they come up with some interesting things, and I think they will, especially given that the strength of the team is tight ends and running backs you're going to see tight ends and running backs and they're going to be in places that people aren't used to seeing and it's going to be tough to defend I'm excited to see what they what they cook up
0: and what you brought up there I I find very interesting I mean you've played the position like the word rhythm gets used a lot at that position and and we've heard it a bunch from Lance Leipold and uh, some of the other coaches so far in the offseason this idea that you know you want to play a lot of these different guys and, and give different looks and find certain roles for all these talented running backs, keep guys fresh, keep their legs going, avoid injuries, all those things. But you're still balancing that with trying to get those guys in a rhythm. So I guess to that nature, basically what you're saying is, uh, like, do you feel like a game in, game out basis? It won't be as much, well, Neil's the one and Thomas is the two and Hyshaw's the three or whatever order it is. And it'll more so be like, yeah, that week happened to be the Devin Neal and Daniel Highshaw week. And the next week is the, Tory Lachlan and Daniel Hyshaw week and the next week uh and I'm talking about from the post game standpoint where you're looking right. back at the game and that was the Kai Thomas and Savion Morrison game where they just got in rhythm is that kind of how you envision this working this season
2: I do I just think that the the lion's share of opportunities I think are going to go to Devin because he's earned it and I think he's the guy that, that's going to be a team leader and how it shakes out behind that is going to be, like you said, a game-to-game basis. I mean, what if they're playing a team that struggles in pass coverage and, you know, Kai Thomas is a better matchup and maybe they can get him in some one-on-ones in the flats, and he breaks some and he gets going. I'm not a big proponent of the rhythm thing. I don't think that makes that much of a difference. Just because this is major college football, you know, you, you, whatever opportunity you get, you need to take advantage. It could be two in a row, it could be one in you know, and one, 30 plays apart. But you got to do your job when you have an opportunity to do it. So I'm not huge on rhythm, um, but I am excited to see how they choose to deploy all these backs.
0: Yeah, from the pass catching standpoint, and I guess from a, a pass protection standpoint as well, like which guys do you think uh, excel in that the most from the running back room?
2: I think that, you know, like I said, not seeing highshaw shaw ton. Um, and, and obviously he can physically get the job done. The pass pro is a mental thing. You know, it's identifying blitzes. It's knowing what coverage, you know, what blitz pickup coverage you're in on the offensive line, who's making the calls, who you're working to. So it's more of a mental game. But that was one – Devin Neal, early in the season last year, that's how he got on the field. He was actually in to pass pro uh, when Belton Gardner had struggled in a couple opportunities. So you know he can get it done. Kai Thomas, like I I always call him steady Eddie, he'll he'll be able to do it. He's just a, a guy that can do everything well. So he'll be able to do it as well and we'll see with the other guys you know maybe it's something that's not an issue maybe it's something they all pick up quickly and are able to get through i think they're all physically capable that's for sure
0: uh, whose role i guess are, are you more intrigued by right now uh with jason being if he ends up being the backup quarterback i don't know it sounds like ku more so just wants to have a good backup quarterback which you understand but there could be some plays where he comes out, whether it's, I don't know, like a Wildcat, or we, we did see a couple times last year where he like lined up as the running back next to Jalen Daniels, or is it Tory Lachlan, a guy who he came in as a high school quarterback, he was a receiver to start last season, and then he moved to running back because he had some departures and, and like an injury to Daniel uh, like I don't know if, if his role is – continue to be a running back or because you have so much depth there maybe he does get some run at receiver uh which of those two players role are you kind of most intrigued by what happens between Lachlan and Bean
2: more intrigued by Bean I think Lachlan will be a, a strong special teams player and he'll be a guy that provides depth um and he'll be a guy that they probably you know it's interesting that you asked about those two players I wouldn't be surprised to see them in a package together Especially with Tory Lachlan being such a good lead blocker, uh, like he showed last year, and then Jason Bean is obviously the more intriguing prospect as a uh, as a gadget player, just because he's devastating. Uh, his speed is devastating. I mean, I have not seen a person move that fast on the field, and I think they're right to play him simply as a backup quarterback because um, injuries. You know, Jalen Dan- running is a part of Jalen Daniel's game. You know, having a having a bum hand that you have to get taped up. You know, for three or four plays, or maybe you miss a series or two. It's nice to have a guy as capable as, as Jason Bean is. So I, it's smart to play him as backup. I, I, that's exactly how I would look at it. He'd be my backup quarterback, and I'd have some some gadgets for him every game. But he he's a backup primarily.
0: We're talking with Brandon McAnderson, Jayhawk Radio Network, former Orange Bowl winning running back. Here, I, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, uh, trying to put together a list. We were just kind of talking like the top five running backs in in Kansas football history. And it got really hard because, you know, first of all, with guys like Gale Sayers and John Riggins, you didn't get the freshman season. They just couldn't play as as freshmen at that time. So that kind of lowers the total career yards. But obviously those are, you know, two of the most talented you've had. Then you have guys like Tony Sands, who has the most illustrious single season in KU football history. But you have a guy, you compare that to someone like James Sims, who had more total career rushing yards by just being kind of a steady eddy over four seasons but didn't have the breakout year uh that Tony Sands had. So, uh when you look at if I were to ask you your Mount Rushmore uh, of KU football running backs, do you have any idea what you would do with that list?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I probably go with uh I go with Riggins and uh Sayers cuz they're the gold standard, you know, just in football, period. And Sayers is still one of a kind all these years later. Um, And then those would be the obvious two. If we were going four, uh, so that is tough. I mean, if it was five, I feel more comfortable. I'll give you five. I'll give you five. Okay. So you give me five. I would go Sayers. I'd go Riggins. I'd go uh, Curtis McClinton. I'd go John Cornish as my fourth. And, God, that fifth would be tough. I'd probably go Tony Sands uh, just because of, he was a oh god. See, but now you you're leaving what?
0: off June Henley. Now you're leaving off. James you know what? I, would, you're go, yourself I would go. Off.
2: June, yeah, I would go June over Tony Sands. Just be, and I and I June was a bigger part of the uh, overall. The program performed better um, when June Henley was a starting running back as opposed to Tony Sands. So I would go with June Henley over Sands by a hair uh, for that fifth spot. Uh,
0: Curtis McClinton, what would you like about his game? Because that's one that. um He's certainly one of the greatest running backs in KU history, but I don't think you hear his name as as much as you probably should in comparison with guys like Sands and Henley.
2: Yeah, that's just that's just our fan base not doing a very good job. <laughs> I mean, if, if a guy comes to the University of Kansas and is an is an all timer and then goes to the Kansas City Chiefs and is also an all timer, he's got to be on every list because he is a he's a local he's a he's a local legend that performed on the national stage again and again. So I just don't like leaving people out. You know, it's not even about what I saw. But what I know is that if a man is a, is a Ring of Honor member in college and a Ring of Honor member in the NFL, he's a guy that deserves to mention. So uh, he's definitely on my list every time I make one.
0: Okay, if I, if I asked you this question again, but in, instead of, you know, because I guess if you're putting together the top five list, you, you do have to take into account what you were talking about with team success. You have to take into account – the individual success uh, of the peak, what was their best season. You have to take into account the career rushing, like what they did over the course of their time at KU. But if I changed the question to the top five most talented running backs at Kansas, mm. who would get on that list?
2: Oh, man, it'd, be, it'd still be Gale Sayers 1 without question. Uh, Riggins, just for his power and speed combination, which did not exist really then. I mean, he was a 220 guy, 230 guy that was a track star. Uh, so he he's gotta be on there. Uh Puka Williams was a, yeah. an absurd talent, uh just vision uh breaking tackles. He just had a, a, a talent and this I didn't I put John I went,
0: Uh, that was brandon mcanderson having a bit of uh phone technical difficulties today we have the worst phone service provider in the entire country it's like mercury wireless or something anytime it rains or it's overcast this is not a joke anytime it rains or it gets overcast we uh get crappy cell phone or, or phone service which i don't understand how that works but uh unfortunately cutting our conversation a little bit short with bmac but a really fun conversation nonetheless thank you to be back for joining us again you can hear him on the jayhawk radio network including for the game in two weeks from today this is rock chalk sports talk on fm 1017 and 1320 klwn one hour down two to go we are brought to you by home field apparel home field a premium collegiate apparel brand out of indianapolis is incredibly comfortable officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos mascots and moments the kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel including t-shirts hoodies crewnecks and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear plus they re- look really cool and they just released well not just but after the national championship they released a national championship shirt use the code rock chalk sports talk that's rock chalk sports talk all one word and you'll get 15 15 off your first order that's right code rock shock sports talk all one word for 15 percent off with home field apparel on your first order four o'clock hour you're listening to rock shock sports talk on fm 1017 and 1320 klwn it is that time on a friday as the stock market has officially closed and we're going to tell you what's up what's down in our sports stock market first up in the sports stock market Stocks up on KU athletes not caring about KU parking. Uh, This comes from Brian Fisher earlier this week. Potential game changer for many as part of recent NCAA rules changes surrounding student-athlete benefits. Schools may now pay parking expenses for their athletes. So, a couple things here. One, could this be a way of schools paying players? Could they, like, get around it and be like, you know, we're just going to fib that you have all these parking tickets and, and just give you a bunch of money. That'd be kind of messed days. up, honestly, though. <laughs> yeah, would, right? Um, I guess, uh, hmm. I would think, okay, so I'm trying to put this delicately. KU parking sucks.
3: Um, yes. I have a story I was going to tell you about KU parking. I, I would
0: love to hear it. I, I think that I would imagine there are a lot of KU basketball players who have a ton of parking tickets. So... Uh, Just KU athletes in general have a ton of parking tickets because everybody has a ton of KU parking tickets when they get them. Uh, What is your story?
3: All right. I have a serious bone to pick with KU parking, and here's why. When I was a student at KU, I had a camera from the journalism school. I was a journalism student. I had a camera from the journalism school, and I needed to return it. But I didn't want to wait on the bus, whatever. I was like, listen, I'm going to go drive to campus there's a little, uh, on the, so like the journalism school is kind of, a, it's above the Dole center if you know about KU's campus. And then there's like a little hill with some staff parking on the street right next to it when you come up the hill behind the J school. So I was like, okay, here's the game plan. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to park. I'm going to run inside. I'm going to drop off the camera. I'll be in there for like three minutes. Nobody's even going to know. I'm going to do it. So I do, I go over there. I put my car in park on the, on the side of the street. I get out of my car. I take, like, maybe five steps, maybe five steps away from my car, and here comes KU Parking right behind me. And this guy is coming to write me a ticket. I can see it in his eyes. I can see this guy. He's like, this is an unauthorized vehicle. I'm going to give this guy a ticket. So I literally turn around. I run back, and I'm like, listen, man. I try to explain the situation. I'm like, dude, listen. I got this camera. I'm going to run inside. (laughs) I'll be right back. And this guy had the audacity to be like, so you're telling me, if I if I sit here and wait for you to come back, you'll be back in two minutes. And I was like, why would I lie to you about this? I have the camera right here. What? Like, I don't understand. Where's the disconnect? Where's the where's the trust? So eventually, I did convince him. But he did sit there. He sat there and he waited for me to sprint inside, draw out the camera, and come back. And I was like, dude, listen. Three minutes. But what? Also, what are the odds that that guy just rolls up behind me right, right at the second that I am about to perform this act see
0: i would just i would have just driven away and come back like 10 minutes later. there's no way he would have just <laughs> well it. so i was
3: already out of the car though that's the thing yeah. i was like i was like Committed. yeah i was like you know like i said i was a little further up the hill i turned around and ran back and i had to explain it to him and so i just oh it was a disaster but i mean this guy yeah he was he had a heat-seeking missile aimed right at my car <laughs> for a parking ticket and i uh it was it was so bad now to my credit though i only during my 4 years at ku i think i only accumulated a total of 3 parking tickets which is probably quite a bit under average i think if you took a poll of ku students how many parking tickets did you get over your time at ku 3 is probably quite a bit below average i would think
0: so i um i don't even know if i should be saying this to be completely honest <laughs> i got uh i don't know 2 or 3 parking it, it wasn't that much it was like 2 or 3 parking tickets but it was on on my old car Okay. And then I sold the car and I got a new license plate. Um so I, I don't Did know. you never, never pay it. I those? never no, but I never registered my car to begin with. Like I never got a parking pass at KU. So okay. I never registered my car with my student affiliation. So they would have no way of knowing whose car that was, right? Well, I mean, no, unless they I went think, to the government. No, because the don't DMV. they like
3: they the way they do it now is they scan your license plate. So they it do does so it doesn't matter if it was registered or not, right? Correct. But it's the same idea, and that they wouldn't know who the owner is, right? Because it's
0: not registered with the university, and they don't get I mean, access to the government records for that. Yeah, I don't I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works, honestly. So, my point is that I got a couple of those tickets on that old car. <laughs> then I got a new car, and I was like, "Not my problem anymore." Never paid them. I never heard anything about it. Like I said, it was never re- uh, the car was never registered under me. I never paid for parking through KU or anything. So mm-hmm. when I came time to graduate or whatever, they never were they like didn't even know. Exactly. They didn't even know. It was a perfect
3: crime. So I got away with it. I haven't got any parking tickets since then. So we're all good. But That's good. Yeah. Uh, good little heist. But anyways, yeah, this is a big game changer <laughs> yes. for. Uh, I totally forgot what we were even talking <laughs> for, about. For KU athletes. I think it was uh, Christian Brown or somebody on mm-hmm. Twitter I saw who quote tweeted the, the tweet and was like, I should get my money back for the <laughs> other my previous tickets. I don't think that's how it would really work. But, no. but I mean, it's, it's a valiant effort. And it's a valid question, I guess. No,
0: you know what's going to happen, though? There's going to be an athlete who's like oh i don't really care cave athletics is is just paying for my parking tickets like i'll just take as many as i want and then eventually what's gonna happen their cars are gonna get towed well wouldn't they get too many parking tickets wouldn't it
3: make more sense for them to just pay for student f for parking for parking yes it would 100 percent. would make a lot more
0: sense (laughs) to do that um that'll be funny though if like coaches are like listen we'll pay for your parking tickets but for every time we pay for a parking ticket you got to run you know what i mean like well that's interesting right That would Uh, be interesting. Yeah, it would. Okay, uh, stock is up on some conference getting a bunch of money from Amazon. Coming up in a little, we'll talk about Kevin Warren's comments uh, in the Big Ten. And obviously, the Big Ten just got paid a bunch of money. CBS, Fox, NBC, they're getting over a billion dollars per year in their rights agreements for airing the games and everything. This comes from Richard Deitch, who reported that Amazon apparently offered more money. So, I don't know if it was just something about wanting to be on, which, I I mean, that makes sense. It may Like, if if the difference was 7.6 million or a billion to 7.5 billion, which, to be fair, 0.1 billion is a lot of money. That's $100 $100 million. Yeah. But the inherent value of being on national, local TV in all of your games is just more than having all the games streamed on Amazon. So that would make sense. But the point is, Amazon clearly had interest in getting into the college football game, which it's no surprise. They've gotten into like the Thursday night football game and everything now in the NFL. You know, what if they're sitting there going, well, I still want to get skin in the game and we understand the PAC 12 media rights are up. We understand the big 12 media rights are, are going to be different here in a few years. Why don't we try to get involved in one of those? And maybe that leads to them overpaying because they're like, Hey, this top option went away and maybe that's that's for a Pac-12 or Big 12. Like maybe that's kind of a, a a life jacket to kind of keep you afloat.
3: There's no question that Amazon has the capital mm-hmm. to at least force conferences to listen to whatever they're offering, right? I mean, Amazon is obviously a, a multi-billion-dollar company. As you said, they've already they already have interest in getting into football. I think, yeah, I, I would assume that the, the the drawback for Amazon is that it's not network television. It's not maybe so much a recognized. Or easy access type of thing as it is as say you know ABC, um, Fox, CBS, NBC, all that stuff, right? So that's probably their drawback. But there's absolutely no question that a they have the money to 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 get conferences interested, and and clearly as we've seen, money is the most important factor. So they have that, (laughs) they have plenty of that for sure. And number two, they obviously have the interest. They they have Thursday night football in the NFL. They're clearly interested in, in expanding to college football. So those two factors, I think I agree with you, would, would lead one to assume that at some point in the near future Amazon is going to somehow wiggle their way into some of these rights deals and get involved in that. And uh, you know, the, the bad news is is you, you look at it from the perspective of, well, if you're a fan of a team in a conference or whatever, it's gonna be just like the Big Twelve now on ESPN plus. You're gonna have to pay to get Amazon Prime to watch your teams, right?
0: Okay, stock is down even further on Deshaun Watson not being suspended long enough. Now, to be clear, he did get an extension to the suspension, which is now up to 11 games and a $5 million fine. But get this, Rodolfo Castro of the Pittsburgh Pirates, he's an infielder, he was suspended one game. He uh, had a cell phone drop out of his back pocket during the game, and he got suspended one game, which... You understand part of it because the idea here for the MLB is that they don't want players to have cell phones to be able to like cheat in some way. But I don't get that. Like what are you going to do on a cell? I guess if you were like taking video, but even then, how is that how are you able to cheat on your cell phone any different than like there's the pitch comm and
3: stuff? Well, and what I what I don't understand about the idea of video with a cell phone is you, you, everybody's going to see you, right? Like right. what do you like how are you gonna, <laughs> how are you going to like, you know, kind of undercover try to record something with your cell phone. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. But, I mean, it's obviously just a bad look. You don't want to have some guy on the outfield texting somebody in the out, you know, whatever, you right? So it's it's, Here's- just a, it's just a bad look all around. And I do think it's something the MLB should say, fellas, you can't survive one
0: inning in the field without your cell phone. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Here's the uh, add-on to this that makes it, it crazier, especially in comparison with the Deshaun Watson stuff. If Rodolfo Castro does this again, if he gets caught for this again, he's suspended for 50 games. 5-0. So and 50 games in the MLB, so that's like, yeah. what, a third of the season? Yeah, so it is different because the season's longer. That would be, yeah, yeah the equivalent of five or six games in the yeah. NFL, which that is still less than Deshaun Watson. But again, if you were to say, hey, this guy got suspended six games for having his cell phone fall out of his pocket in two different games versus Deshaun Watson had, you know, all this stuff go on. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really seem like it... Uh, Works favorably in uh, Deshaun Watson's favor there. Okay, uh, stock is up on NIL being wonderful. We saw some cool examples of NIL this week. And by the way, the NCAA is wanting schools to help them investigate NIL malpractices. Like, come on, buzz off. Why would they help them out with that? Uh, well, there are definitely
3: going to be some schools that are going to. You think so? They're rat, gonna, like, goody, goody two shoes about yeah, it. They're going to. Well, no, I think it's going to be if they're recruiting somebody and they end up going somewhere else, something, they're going to yeah, rat them out. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's a competitive advantage thing. Um, <laughs> Did you see Decoldest Crawford? I don't know if you
0: know I who did. that is. Yeah, yep. he's a uh, yep. receiver for LSU, was, I don't know, four or five-star prospect, highly recruited prospect, goes to LSU. He's a local kid, and his name is literally Decoldest Crawford. So, I mean, that uh, I don't know. Maybe we're going to start getting, like, parents naming their kids things that would just work out for NIL. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Full stop.
3: You can't name a baby whatever you want for NIL Eighteen years before they're gonna even well, I don't even know if they're gonna even be any good enough to get it. Okay, here's here's the plan. You name them like
0: boring like office names like Steve. You know what I mean, and then you give them like a nickname.
3: See that I could maybe get more on board with that. I don't know if this is like I think it's his actual name though. This it's is Nicole. yeah, this is actual name yeah. But I I can't get on board with you naming some guy like. Larry's Pizza, in the hopes that he can sign an NIL deal hey, with Larry's Pizza I'm telling down the road. You, it's it's
0: that's how you make money. Use your name to make money. But yeah, he uh, was in a commercial for uh, uh air conditioning and heating place, and it was a very funny commercial. That is the stuff I love with this NIL stuff. And then this one was wonderful. Bajan Robinson from Texas. He uh, has a mustard, which I don't even know if it didn't even look like this was something where like... Hey, this mustard company wanted him to sponsor. This looks like he just created his own mustard. It has himself on it. It is called Bijan Mustardson. <laughs> and this is the best part. On the front of the bottle, it says, th- this is verbatim, it's like a touchdown in your mouth. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I kind of want to try it, to be completely uh, honest. I love some. Uh, are you a Dijon mustard guy? Love Dijon mustard. There you Money go. Mustard. All sorts of mustards. So <laughs> I uh, might be trying to get the Get yourself some. <laughs> the Bijan <Bichon> mustard there. <laughs> Okay, uh, stock is up on stupid comments. So, we mentioned Deshaun Watson getting his suspension increased from six games to 11, owed a $5 million. Fine. In the middle of questions about his behavior with the ownership, Jimmy Haslam, the team's owner, said, it's important to remember Deshaun Watson is 26 years old, and he's a hell of an NFL quarterback. Oh, boy, dude.
3: I just don't understand... How if you're an NFL owner, your only job is to sit there and do nothing and make money. Mm-hmm. Just don't say anything. Right? Just be quiet. Just literally don't say anything. That's better. That's way better than anything you could possibly say. Right? Just don't say a word. Just don't say anything. You're literally sitting there just by existing and you're making billions of dollars. Why even open your mouth at that point? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll take billions of dollars just to be quiet. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, Give it to I, don't, me. I don't mean to make
0: light of a, a very terrible situation that happened, but, like, imagine if the judge at the Aaron Hernandez trial was like, you know, I, I know that he murdered these people, and I know he's supposed to go to jail, but you got to remember, this guy was 27 years old, and he's a hell of a football player. Like, it, you can't do that. You can't just... Yeah. <sighs> that just frustrates me. Uh, how about this one? Scott Frost estimates, Frost estimates there are 15 to 20 total vomits per practice just from the offensive lineman under new position coach Donovan Rayola. He says, quote, it's not
3: because they're not in shape. He's just working them hard. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Is this supposed to be like a flex <laughs> right. of like, look how hard we're working? Like our guys are literally throwing up yeah. every single day. Like, first of all, we're making that, them there's so dehydrated. Be some kind the of health and safety situation that that you have in question there. And then yeah, number two, I don't understand the point of like bringing this up. Like, is it supposed to be because either the the only possible logical things I can think of is you're either trying to have it be like a flex, like look how hard we're working. Yeah, you know we're we're running them so hard that they're all everybody's throwing up, right? Or B, you're saying, oh yeah, our guys suck and they're out of shape and so they're throwing up all the time. So either way, it it doesn't really look that good. So I don't. Again, this is the same situation. I don't understand why you'd even bring it up. Just don't. I don't. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. No guy, I mean guys puke during conditioning and, and football
0: practice. But and it that doesn't happen every day. Doesn't happen every day. No. In Fifteen. To, there's no way they have twenty offensive linemen on. And
3: these on guys the team. are in Nebraska. They're not in Florida in the heat <laughs> or like Arizona or something. They're in Nebraska. Yeah. It sounds like to me these players are either dehydrated, but okay,
0: you can't. If you're puking this much and getting this much in shape, how do they stay this out of shape? You know what I mean? So it can't be that. Like this just sounds like malpractice. We've had other yeah. coaches who have. Yeah. Got in trouble like uh DJ Durkin when he was at Maryland yep. for like a player dying because they didn't take the proper precautions and you push too far. This feels like you're crossing that line. I don't know. It just it feels like this whole Scott Frost Nebraska thing has just been a pure disaster. They're the best three and nine team last year, so we'll see if that turns into wins this year. I'm not really expecting it to because I think at some point the pattern becomes, hey, maybe we're just not well coached and that's why we're losing these games, and I don't think that's a good thing that you want your offensive linemen puking 15 to 20 times every single practice. It's not something to brag about. Yeah, bad. Last thing, stock is up on Texas starting quarterbacks. Uh, Nebraska, back to them, named Casey Thompson, their starting quarterback. He was the former Texas quarterback who, how could you forget, started the Texas game in the KU victory earlier last season. Also, Texas named... Quint Ewers, their starting quarterback. So Hudson Card, who was like a five-star, came in, played a little bit last year, ended up taking a red shirt. I think he had some injury stuff and only played four games. He lost out the job to Ewers, who came in as like an early enrollee as a five-star to Ohio State, and then lost out the, the battle to C.J. Stroud, transferred to Texas. Now he's... Their starter.
3: So did you see did you happen to see how it was announced that Quinn Ewers became the starter? It was like some kind of weird, awkward situation where they were in the media they were in the middle of like a media availability with like other players. And supposedly their sports information director just walked up and was like, Hey, by the way, Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback. And then that like that was it. Like in the middle of just some random I don't I don't know. It's, it seemed very weird to me as I was reading on Twitter. I didn't quite understand, but it, it didn't seem like it was very well planned or well thought out in terms of how they wanted to let people know that that was the case. I don't know. Mm.
0: Okay, so stock is up
3: on weird things happening
0: at Texas Media Availability. Yep. Nothing and is weirder. I would, than- I would I would buy a lot of stock in weird
3: things happening at Texas. Yeah.
0: Any in any circumstance. Well, I remember last year there was the one guy who like asked that question to Steve Sarkeesian. It was like, uh, you know, when there where there's a a tough. Thing that has to happen, you need like I don't remember the exact words. Like legendary people on the job, and you coach are that legendary person. Oh, I do remember what that. Do think, right, I, I do remember that.
3: Obviously, stuff, the man. most famous weird Texas media thing that I can think of is the urine chart that they had under Tom Herman. I believe <laughs> that's right. Maybe <laughs> Nebraska
0: needs the urine chart. True, because True. I don't know. Maybe guys are just dehydrated. There, you got to take your hydration. And all this is telling me, because again, Casey Thompson now in Nebraska the starting quarterback, Texas and Nebraska, they're like they're copies of each other. I think that's what it is. Nebraska was just Big 12 North version of the Big 12 South version of Texas.
4: Yep,
3: and now neither one of them are back.
0: No, they're both striving to be back. Both have (laughs) similar issues going on. Naming quarterbacks who started at the same school together. Stock is up on identical twins in college football Nebraska and Texas. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We have one trivia matchup to go for this week, and today it features Kyle Martin. And Blake McFarland will share that with you on the other side. This is RCST. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 105.9kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click hometown deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, you shoot us an email, Johnson at gpmnow.com. This is a big matchup here. It's technically our Monday division, but we're playing it on a Friday, uh, second straight Friday matchup uh, for Kyle Martin, who is ranked 10th in our latest trivia top 10. Two and one record, scored 41 points in regulation, 50 if you include overtime. His opponent today, Blake McFarland, who is one and one with 13 points scored, and both of these contestants still have a chance here. So Jim upended Aaron earlier this week, our, our number one team coming into the week. And now Kyle, Aaron, and Jim are all tied in first, technically, with a two and one record. Blake, at 1-1, one one, if he were to win today, would move into a tie with Aaron and Jim at 2-1. and one. Kyle, if he were to win today, would move into first, at least for the moment, and then he'd be watching the rest of the action next, or, or I guess listening, next week uh, to see what happens. So, this division, wide open right now. Sorry to you, Andrew. You're, you're the one guy who's out of it at the moment. Uh, But, Kyle, I'll start with you. You just had that big win last week against Jim, and then Jim went out and, and did you a favor and beat uh aaron
4: so do you owe jim a steak dinner or anything yeah derek you know i talked about this a little bit uh you know if if aaron would have knocked off jim i I would actually control my own destiny to at least make a bowl game here and now jim has given me an opportunity to win the division but what he's also done is he's given blake an opportunity to control his own destiny and with two wins uh yeah he's through so um yes and no uh it's a good thing i beat jim or uh, this would have been all over, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure I owe Jim much anything other than the stress of today being a one and done for me. If I uh, if I lose to Blake, well, Blake, you have that opportunity in front of you now
0: too, Jim, by taking down Aaron. If you win your next two, I I don't know, it, it could all depend on who is against who in a possible tiebreaker. Is it a two team, three team tiebreaker, whatever it is? So I don't know how that all shake out. But uh, hearing that renewed hope that after you lost your first matchup, that you could still win your division. Uh, What does that, I guess, give you? uh, Does it add to anything with this matchup? Does it make you more nervous? Does it make you more excited?
1: Don't get nervous. And uh, we're just worried about the the matchup in front of us here. So, you know, all this is fine and dandy, but uh, if we don't take care of business today, uh, there was a lot of talk for not a lot of results. So we got to get that figured out first.
0: Okay. Well, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into the matchup here. And uh, Kyle, this is your final regular season matchup of the season. So uh, I'll call this senior day for you. Uh, do you want heads or tails? Try heads again. All right. It is tails. <laughs> Did you go over on coin tosses this year? <laughs>
4: uh, We well, hit the overtime no, one, bad. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like two and two or two and three or, or something like that. Yeah. Hit the important one at least. Okay. So Blake, you have the option. Do you want to go first
0: or do you want to go second?
1: We'll go first. I've gone second every time, so let's mix it up. All right,
0: change things up. We'll start in the first quarter of play. This is the easy round of questions. These are worth three points. Blake, for you first. Name a player on the 2022, so this upcoming Kansas football team, whose last name starts with the letter D.
1: I will go with Jalen Daniels.
0: Yep, Jalen Daniels. Also, uh, sufficing there would have been Cameron Dabney. Zion DeBose, Romello Dotson, somebody with the last name Downing, Duggar, and then uh Tommy Dunn in there as well.
1: Hey, you're thinking of Mac Downing, and it's also Shab Dabney, by the mm-hmm. way, Derek.
0: That's right. He's gone kind of the name change there, right?
1: Yeah, He's, so uh, you know it up. just just want to make sure you're accurate.
0: Uh, I like that name. Shad, that's a fun name. I like that. All right. Kyle for you, three pointer as well. Name a player on the twenty twenty two Kansas team. So once again, this upcoming Kansas team. Whose last name starts with the letter B, as in boy? I'll go with Earl Bostick. Yep. Earl Bostick, Jason Bean, Taiwan Berryhill, Jacob Borchilla. Uh, we got, let's see, O.J. Burroughs, Jacoby Bryant, Sam Burt, all in there. Sean Brown, I think, as well. I think that's all of them. Okay, three to three, the score through the first quarter play into the second quarter. These are worth six points for you, Blake. Name one of the two Jayhawks. One's a receiver. Another is a corner. On the 2022 team that will wear the number two jersey.
1: Uh, Lawrence Arnold wears two. Yes, he does. I sat way too long on that. I sat way too long on that.
0: It's all right. Sometimes those jersey number ones are hard. Lawrence Arnold, the other one is Jacoby Bryant. Both of them are going to wear the number two. All right, that's six for you, Blake. You take a nine-to-three lead. Back to you, Kyle, it goes. Name one of the two Jayhawks. One is a tight end. The other is a defensive end. On the 2022 team, who will wear the number 47 jersey? Casey. Yes, sir, Jared. Casey. Casey. Surprised he hasn't got a nil deal with Casey's yet too. In addition to Applebee's, but uh, yeah, that's the other. the The defensive end is a newcomer, Lonnie Phelps, who might be a star for this KU defense. All right, nine to nine, the score. We are tied up at halftime. Into the third quarter, Blake, for you first. Into the hard round, these are worth seven points. Blake, the last time Kansas passed for four hundred or more yards in a game, came in twenty nineteen against what opponent?
1: Um, okay, so let's do a little backwards math here. So, oh, um, that was, uh, Texas Tech.
0: That was Texas Tech. What went into, Stanley. uh,
1: Starter Stanley was the quarterback.
0: Yep. That's right. And, uh, had that big game. They had that come. I think they're down 17, nothing ended up coming back to, to, uh, get the victory. All right. You're up 16 to nine back to you, Kyle, to try to tie it Heading into the fourth quarter. The last time Kansas allowed 60 or more points in a game was in 2020 against what opponent? i say Oklahoma State. I thought you had it. It was Oklahoma. Oklahoma Ooh. was the correct answer there. Um in that 2020 team with uh, Spencer Rattler and everything, put a beat down on KU. Okay. This is a big hard round, 16 to nine. Blake with the fourth quarter lead here, trying to spoil senior day for Kyle. These are worth eight points. So Blake, if you hit this, you get a really hard answer, which helps you out in a running for the Heisman. It also gives you a perfect, which same thing helps you in the Heisman and it secures your victory. Otherwise Kyle gonna have an opportunity to try to uh, nab the win in the end. Blake, Name this Jayhawk who was back-to-back All-Missouri Valley Conference in 1907
1: and 1908. What are you doing to me here? I mean, I I could probably figure it out if I looked at the Ring of Honor on September 2nd, but I don't know. John Hadle, it's wrong, but I'll just say Mm -hmm. someone...
0: It is uh, Howard Reed, who had a great nickname. His nickname was Tub, Howard Tub Reed. Everyone right. knows
1: that. How could I miss that? Of
0: course. All right. Kyle, you're going to have a doozy here, but if you answer it, you steal the win. If not, then your dreams of winning the division go to die. Kyle, name this Jayhawk who was back-to-back All-Big Six in 1929 and 1930.
4: uh johnson
1: hey
0: just throw a common name out
1: there right before you say it can Mm -hmm. i guess i'm not stealing it. i just want to guess here sure was it bud black
0: it was not bud black you lose negative eight points no i'm just joking uh (laughs) (laughs) the correct answer is jim bausch jim bausch was that i believe he was a halfback so that does it. Blake, you come away with a victory sixteen to nine. You've you've ramped up your points every week. You went from three to ten to sixteen now to earn the victory here and uh come away with a big victory to stay alive for the the division win. So we'll start with you here. What's your level of uh emotions after the victory?
1: It's just a win, right? The job's not done. So let's quote uh Mr. Bryant, job's not done. So there's nothing to be excited about.
0: Well, Kyle, disappointment here on senior day and you had the opportunity to to get to three and one there. Uh what went wrong for you? Uh which question uh, I'm assuming it's the hard round, not the uh really hard round that that's gonna come back and, and haunt you.
4: Yeah, it's the hard. Um yeah, no, I mean uh tough break there. Uh should have looked at 2020. Looked a lot at 2021. Uh try to remember 2020. Uh, you know, didn't win a single game, so they were all a little bit lopsided. Uh but no, it's uh good for Blake. Yeah, Blake, man, you, you beat Jim on uh on Monday. You know, you, you got uh you you got a good deal there. So uh yeah, good luck to you, man. Um Derek, thanks for handling all this. I know this is my last uh uh go round here on football trivia, but we'll uh well, maybe we'll be I mean if so, yeah, we'll if see. uh
0: <laughs> gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh I don't know. I think there's still a, a possible three way tie out there that if like if maybe Aaron beats Jim and, or I don't know, Blake plays Jim, I guess. I don't know. There might be something out there. We'll have to take a look at the different scenarios. Here. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> if you would have got in the hard round, if those would have been switched, if you would have got the 2019 one that was Texas Tech, would you have got that one right? Uh,
4: No, I don't think so. Um, honestly, uh, yeah. No, I, I think I, that was just a tough round for me regardless. Well, Kyle, we appreciate all, you always uh, being a
0: part of this thing, and, and who knows what's going to happen with the tiebreaker. You're always one of our favorite contestants here. Blake, that's a big dub for you. You're still live for everything, so good job, guys, and uh, Blake, we'll see you next week. Upset there. Kyle was the favorite coming into that one, and that's tough for Kyle. He knows his stuff, just kind of ran into some questions that didn't uh, go his way on, on this go-around, which is uh, a little bit unfortunate. So, uh, I don't know. We... I. I guess I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I've already started now, so who cares? There's at least been some internal discussion. I don't know if it actually turns in to something that it'll actually happen, but there's been some internal discussion about making all the second and third place teams play in a bowl game and then just having the first place teams in the playoffs. So I don't know what we're going to do there, but. Maybe we'll make it something where we have added – boy. I, I just don't know if we have the prizes for it, but maybe we can come up with uh, some other prizes last minute. But I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but maybe, maybe. We'll see. Uh, this is RCST Trivia. Let's take a look at where things are at in the standings and, and everything coming up in just a little bit here. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk and RCST Trivia. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN on it five o'clock hour this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer I am Derek Johnson on this edition of RCST Kevin Warren is the Big Ten Commissioner and he uh had an interview with Real Sports on HBO Uh, this is very interesting stuff from Kevin Warren so uh, there's a couple big things that I want to get to as part of this, uh, the first one is not the first thing that was talked about, but I think it's the most pertinent, at least here to KU, is potentially, I don't know. Um, here is Bryant Gumbel's uh, interaction with Kevin Warren. Uh, this is Bryant. Right now, we are having a major realignment in college sports. Kevin responds. And I think during that period, there's going to be a lot of disruption, and that's okay. We need to embrace it if we want to make sure that we continually build college athletics in a position where it's here 100 and 200 years from now. Brian Gumble responds: You're at 16 teams now. Could you foresee 20? Kevin Warren: I could. Yeah, I could see perpetual and future growth. So, couple things here. One, that's we don't normally see that. We don't normally see like other conference commissioners or other people put a number to it, right? Of this is what a number we're trying to get to, and that's not him necessarily saying yeah, our goal is to get to 20, but he's saying I could see it. Which, if he's saying that, that tells me that that is kind of the goal of them to do. It is interesting to me, though, Like if if Bryant would have framed that as, what about 24 teams? What about 32 teams? Would he, just, would he have just kept going? Right, would he have just kept <laughs> answering yes? So I, I don't know the answer to that. Like Maybe it's something where there there is more than 20, but at the very least, I think this gives us a clear clue, a clear indication that, at the very least, they want to get to 20. So we talked yesterday, Big Ten possible expansion, and... They have escalators in the contract that if they expand, they can add those, uh, add some extra money. And and I think one thing that became popular as part of these comments today was the idea that ESPN was obviously not part of, of this package. It's CBS, Fox, and NBC, right? That ESPN could get back involved if they were to add some schools. And so, one logical addition of of a quartet of teams is add more Pac-12 schools you had Oregon you had Washington you had Cal you had Stanford that gets them from 16 to 20 that adds more West Coast schools and now all of a sudden they have more options for the late night slot which they could sell to ESPN ESPN gets on board there's more money to go around now and they have also leveraged ESPN against all these other uh, companies that have bid a part of this and ESPN's like well we need to get part of the Big Ten now that seems to me like a, a very plausible option. But at the same point in time, I don't know. I, I guess that does give more credence to the idea that, hey, their spots open in the big ten, k u doing everything in their power to try to get
3: one of those. yeah, i think I think given the context of what we talked about yesterday with the contract that they signed with the different TV the different TV companies, it's not. It's, it shouldn't surprise anybody that Kevin Warren is saying, "Oh yeah, we could have 20 teams." Like, I don't think that's really groundbreaking, given what we've already learned about their contracts, with their media rights, and everything. Like, that's not really shocking. What What is kind of shocking about it, though, is, is you're right. Normally, commissioners don't just come out and say, "Oh yeah, you know, we're looking to do this, whatever," right? Like, I, I, the interesting part of this with Kevin Warren is that he's being very public about this, which is pretty uncommon, I think. A lot of commissioners normally don't take this strategy of getting out and doing interviews and this, that and the other and getting out in the public. So maybe his strategy with this is by getting out in the public, it maybe it puts more pressure on a school like Notre Dame, for instance, that we already talked about, that now suddenly if they're saying, well, we want to get to 20 and Notre Dame's sitting there thinking, oh, well, they're, they're just going to go after the four Pac-12 teams, maybe we need to get in somehow if, there's, if that's what they want to do. Uh, so that's really my biggest takeaway from this is normally you don't see commissioners do this kind of stuff. You don't see them go public with this type of information and really – Talk about it, and really in an open sphere, which is really fascinating uh, for me from Kevin Warren's standpoint because it is so uncommon.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point with Notre Dame. Like that might be the ultimate end goal here. Why? Like if you try to get behind the mind, get behind the motive, why would you release that information? Uh, you could be exactly right. Like maybe in their head, they're not even trying to get to twenty. Maybe they're just trying to put something out there that would make it more likely that Notre Dame says, "Oh, we got to get on this ship now." And Notre Dame's kind of at a point where even if the Big Ten gets to 20 and the Notre Dame's like, hey, we want to join, like they'll make that work, right? Yeah. yeah. But it could speed up the process, and that could be an end goal for the Big Ten. Um, so like I said, I, I think how this all plays out certainly could have an impact on KU. If, like I was saying, you know, Bryant Gumbel would have asked, what about 24 teams? And he would have said, yeah, then I think you feel great if you're KU. If you were to say the Big Ten's going to add eight more schools from right now, Of course, you would feel like Kansas would be a part of one of those eight best schools to make it into the Big Ten. But if it is just four, that becomes tough if the goal is to get the West Coast, right, to where Oregon and Washington are going to be the ones that make the most sense to them. And then it's like with Cal and Stanford. It's not that Cal and Stanford have a bigger, I don't know, gain for the conference than Kansas does, but if their ultimate goal is to add that late-night slot and help with travel, exactly, then... Those do kind of make more sense to a certain extent. So I would imagine Kansas is again on the phone and they're obviously going to talk to the Big Ten and say this is why you should take us and these are all great reasons to have us and that maybe the Big Ten call eventually does come but I'm not sure it would be right now.
3: Yeah, and the Stanford and Cal situation and adding those West Coast schools, it doesn't have so much to do with football as it has to do with scheduling for other sports, right? Other other sports play a lot more frequently than football. Football is once a week. That's that's pretty easy for the most part, right? You leave on whatever Thursday or Friday and you're back on Sunday. But for other sports, soccer, the semi-Olympic sports, baseball, softball in the spring, I mean, you're talking very, very brutal travel schedules. So. If you look at it from that standpoint, that would be the reasoning why you'd want to continue to add those West Coast schools to relieve some of that for USC and UCLA.
0: And who knows? Maybe maybe there's you know different motives or, or different ideas of, of what they're going to do with that. Maybe that's just the one that's too obvious because of the Pac-12 stuff. What if they're sitting here today and they are going, you know, we want Kansas and we want, we're going to try to poach Virginia from the ACC or one of these schools. I don't know. Maybe they can be like, Hey, we'll trade you back Maryland. Uh they're a better fit in the ACC. We'll give you Maryland, you go to Virginia, <laughs> something like that. It's all very interesting to me. I guess though if if the idea now is to get to 20, do we really think they would just stop there?
3: No, yeah, I I was about to say, I mean, it becomes a situation of well, if twenty, why not twenty-two? Mm-hmm. Why not twenty-four? Why not twenty-eight? You just—I you, mean—you suddenly it's like you're you just keep going. The mind just suddenly is like, okay, well, we can just do whatever, you know. Well, it
0: just feels like an arms race at this point, mainly between the Big Ten and the SEC, where it's like, okay, the SEC was the first to sixteen. We countered. Now we have to make the first move before they make the next first move to go up to eighteen or twenty, and then the SEC will come, and who knows? Maybe the SEC will, will bring in Clemson and Florida State, and North Carolina, and. and substantiate some of those rumors and then they'll get to 20 and then both of them will be like all right who's next now we got to get to 22 now we got to get to 24 like you said so I I don't think this is going to be something that's all sorted out over the next year where it's just like hey we have one more year we have two more years of conference realignment and then it's all done I think this is going to be a long painstaking process
3: yeah absolutely And, and like we were talking about earlier where now you're to the point where these decisions you're making are going to affect long term but you're making them in such quick succession like Again, for commissioners and for athletic departments and athletic directors, it becomes this question of: Do you want to? Are you frozen? Are you stuck in place? Or do you want to? Are you concerned about the third, fourth decision you're going to have to make? Like, there's so much that that plays into that. And, and you're right; I think it is going to be a very long process, which makes it very difficult. I think for commissioners and for athletic directors, because one wrong decision in the process could make you, on the outside looking in of conference realignment, could have you miss miss an opportunity on. You know, a lot of opportunities for money and whatnot, and also the other on the other direction, you could join a sinking ship. You know, I mean, th- w- what about like Houston, UCF, uh, <laughs> BYU? Those guys joining the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve. Who knows? I yeah. mean, in three or four years, it could be sunk. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right. What if
0: What if West Virginia joins the ACC? Which I don't know why you'd get on board with that, but just just. Play it out. Or what if, hypothetically, the SEC was like, we want West Virginia? I'm not sure that would be a thing that would happen, but <laughs> hypothetically, let's say they want West Virginia. Let's say, hypothetically, the Big Ten wants Kansas and they want Iowa State. And let's say some other Big 12 school, I don't know, Oklahoma State or something's wanted by the SEC as well, right? And they want to keep that rivalry going with Oklahoma. Then all of a sudden, you're right. All those schools that just joined the Big 12, they're like, well, crap. We 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 thought we we were joining the Big 12, now we're in the AAC again. Exactly.
3: Yeah, exactly. We we just joined the AAC plus, I guess. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, I I think another way that that could get counteracted, though, and and could be a possible reverberation of this, if they are going to go up to 20, and we go back to what? We said was maybe the most logical way of them getting there, which is adding those four Pac-12 schools to to give those travel partners and, and to allow that late night on ESPN and allow more money into the conference and everything. If that happens with the Pac-12, the Pac-12 is going to be scrambling, right? Yes. I, I mean, it's one thing now. It seems like the Pac-12 has is, is kind of found some solid footing from where they were after USC and UCLA left where it was like, OK, we're going to stick together but it feels like a very loose sticking together. If one more thread gets pulled, it's over, right?
3: Yeah, I just want to say something to further substantiate mm-hmm. that, which is every single like tweet or article I've said about the Pac-12, it's always like, Something happens, right? And then the, the tweet is, the Pac-12 presidents are scrambling. They had an emergency Zoom meeting. Pac-12 is shaking. Uh. You know, Every single time something happens, that's like the immediate response. It's like yeah. the Pac-12 presidents, they're shaking in their boots. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that.
0: I, I feel like a lot of that stuff that comes out is... It's almost like media warfare where, like, Big yeah. 12 leaks are, are trying to get stuff out to try to destabilize Pac-12, and, and vice versa. Pac-12 leaks are, are trying to get stuff to media to try to say that, no, we're stabilized. I feel like the truth is probably somewhere kind of in between. Like, obviously, these Pac-12 schools are having conversations. Well, of course, we should keep our options open and, and look at these other places, but maybe it's not as close to jumping ship as, as we were kind of led to believe early on. Uh, but if that happens, if they lose at this point, where they already are, and then they lose Oregon and Washington and they lose Cal and Stanford too, at that point it's fair game, right? Yeah, and, and at I, that point, the Big 12 has to be the biggest recipient of, of the rest of the schools. Exactly.
3: I think if that does happen, then you're looking at Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, Big 12, right? I mean, that's the most logical mm-hmm. place for them to go.
0: Yeah, so I'll be honest. Like I, I think if you, you – I guess from where Kansas sits, right, you want to be in a position where two things – one, you would love to get the invite to the Big Ten. I think that is still option one. If they come calling, you're going to be making like double the amount of money. Of course, you say yes to that. It still works regionally, geographically, and in terms of your kind of footprint in what you are as a university. But obviously, the best option outside of that is trying to make the Big 12 as stable, as powerful, as strong as possible. And so. For that to happen, it would be adding those schools like Arizona and Arizona State and on and on and on down the list. So
3: if that happens and then the Big Ten comes calling, if you're KU, what do you do? I think you still go to the
0: Big Ten because the way I see it, let's say you add whatever four to six Pac— I don't know if it's going to be Pac-10 or Pac-12 schools at this (laughs) point— are left after the Big Ten further raids the conference. That conference— which at that point it'd be like what sixteen teams in the Big Twelve eventually. I mean, once I think it would, I
3: think you could argue it would be. I
0: don't think it's making nearly as much money. It I wouldn't. It
3: would make as much money, but it probably would still be prestige wise like right behind the mm-hmm. Big Ten and the and the SEC.
0: It would. I and I guess that's the big thing. Like if it's a, if you somehow get a media deal where you're making sixty five million dollars a year and it's a ten million dollar difference to go and you're gonna destabilize stuff just to do it, yeah, it's probably not worth it at that point, right? But if if the Big 12 schools are making $40, $50 million a year and it's a $20, 30000000 million increase, you kind of got to do that, right? And it also is a more stable, in whatever the future of college athletics is going to be, if these conferences are going to break away from the NCAA, I'd rather be on the ship of the Big 10 where it feels like they're for sure going to be a part of that than the Big 12. So I, I think I still would. Uh, But that would be the best ulterior if you can't make it into the Big Ten, adding those Pac-12 schools to to further add to conference value, to further stabilize the conference. So I think from a Kansas perspective, no matter what happens here, you're rooting for the Big Ten to add more Pac-12 schools because either way, it helps you out. Either way, it Become something where it's going to help the Big 12 because they're going to add schools to it or they're going to be adding some Pac-12 schools and then maybe the expansion will kind of go further down the road and the Big 10 will further itself as the super conference and maybe you'll increase your chances of getting an invite. So I I think no matter what, that's what you're kind of rooting for. You're rooting for the Pac-12 to further funnel into the (laughs) Big 10. Here's the other piece uh, that Kevin Warren said in the conversation with Real Sports and Bryant Gumbel. He said... um, This is Bryant Gumbel. Everybody's getting rich now off college sports, okay? The networks are getting rich from it. The administrators are getting rich. The schools are getting rich. The coaches get rich. You know who won't be getting rich off it? The athletes. When are you going to start paying them? Kevin Warren. One of the things I'm excited about is being able to have honest dialogue with our student-athletes. Have there been little changes that have been made? Yes. But we really need to sit down and start getting these issues on the table and start making some decisions. And then, Bryant responds could you foresee paying your athletes Kevin Warren yes yeah so pretty point blank pretty clear yeah. there and, and it feels like it was something where for a while oh this could never happen they could never afford it with the budgets. part of how the college athletics process works with the budgets though it's they just spend whatever they get I mean they're not a for-profit companies outside of like Grand Canyon I mean there's a few universities that are for-profit but most of them are nonprofits to where hey, if the athletic department is reeling in $50 million, we need to spend the $50 million. And so they constantly, okay, the budget went up $20 million. It doesn't become, oh, we have an extra $20 million to pay the players, no, we just spent it on other things. So they're able to kind of cover their tracks that way and be like, look, we never have money. We always come out even or we come out behind when in reality, that's not totally how it works. But once NIL happened, it was like, okay, this is good enough. Now with the transfer portal and with NIL for certain schools becoming a pay-for-play, like we saw that really popular with Texas A&M, I think this is going to become more popular, that schools and conferences are going to get on board with this for a couple of reasons. One, like in the NFL, you have a salary cap, right? It's a lot harder to impose that right now with NIL to where Texas A&M could spend $10 million on players and Ole Miss might only be able to spend two. So if you pay the players through the conference, you can have a set salary cap for every player. And yeah, NIL could still be a thing and everything, but I think it would become more uniform and easier to watch over. And it would also allow coaches and and players to be like, hey, uh, you come here, you're on a two-year contract or something. And you can't transfer after the two years, which could be good or it could be bad. And you could still have players hold out like we see in the NFL or be like, I want to trade. And I don't know how that would work. (laughs) Would you be able to trade college players if they're on contracts? There's certainly a lot of details of this that could make college sports a lot more like professional sports, which would be weird and and kind of be odd. And there would be certain fight back to to certain ways. But I think overall, with how much money is being made, they could probably make room for this and. I think it's going to be something that helps with some of the issues in college sports.
3: Yeah, th- this is the part of the Kevin Warren interview that's most interesting right now, is is kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, which is he's coming out and saying this publicly, which is pretty pretty rare. I don't, I, it may not even ever happened in this, in this sort of format to discuss, hey, we're open to paying players. And from Kevin Warren's perspective, I think it's pretty smart because it does seem like this is ultimately where it's going to go, right? So might as well get out in front of it early and be like, hey, this is stuff we're interested in. Yeah, if you're in. the
0: first conference who – Makes that okay? Yes. You know how many of the best recruits you're gonna get? Yeah, exactly.
3: And on top of that, like you were saying, how many schools have we seen already sign nil deals where certain programs are getting their players are getting stipend of whatever twenty five thousand, thirty thousand, whatever? Right? What's to stop the What's to stop a whole conference from doing that? What's to stop a whole conference from, like the Big Ten from saying we're gonna sign a deal with I don't even know who, like whatever. I guess it could be whatever athletic apparel company is mm-hmm. already. Yeah you know they just want to make it the whole conference right mm-hmm. and then they say okay so now we've got this NIL deal for the whole conference and every player is going to get x stipend amount of money right 20,000 25,000 a year whatever right i mean there's i don't think there's any laws restricting that right now or stopping the big 10 from doing something like that or any conference really for that matter for doing that i mean it would obviously be a landmark deal of whatever that would be and there would be a lot of maneuvering involved in trying to get it ironed out and everything but yeah, I mean, that to me, that's what looks like the future could be for these for these big colleges. And because I think at that point, you know, NIL, there's really two ways you can look at it. One, it's like the individual player can go out, like the Mitch Lightfoot, go out and mm-hmm. do the local car dealership, <laughs> whatever, right? And then the other aspect of it is you can look at it individually from the players, or you can look at it from the more macro perspective. Actual entire universities, entire conferences, signing deals that are then just covering their players as a whole, Right. And so those are kind of the two pathways I think you see NIL going really into the future and that's what Kevin Warren's alluding to here is hey we're going to we're looking at potentially signing a deal that's going to guarantee our players x amount of money per year under this under this NIL deal that our entire conference is going to be under everybody's going to get the same amount it's all going to be whatever right whatever the amount is and you're right that could be very very alluring for a lot of players because now not only are you going to play division 1 athletics for a school getting your getting your education also, but then you're going to have an opportunity to leave with an education, having that experience at the athletic level, and also being able to make money off of it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it could definitely help with, with roster building and, and avoiding transfers and all that stuff, which I think would be a positive and I think a lot of coaches would certainly get on board with. Obviously there's, there's other possible flaws, but there is no perfect system that you could come up with. What this tells me too is it furthers the idea of some of these conferences – kind of breaking away from the NCAA because I don't think the NCAA is ever going to be okay with it, right? If if the Big Ten is like, hey, we're going to start paying players and no other conferences, do you think the Big Ten or or do you think the NCAA is going to sit there going, oh, yeah, that's totally fine? Or do you think they're going to go, no, that's not allowed. These are supposed (laughs) to be, you know, student-athletes. These are supposed to be non-professionals, and you're making them professionals, so we're not going to allow that. I I think it just furthers the idea to me that I think that would have to happen first. I I think the the power conferences or whatever – Level of things, there's going to have to be a new governing body of the NCAA, at least on the football side,
3: before Uh, they could sign a. What you're saying is before they could sign like some kind of deal like that. Yeah, yeah, an entire conference. Right,
0: right. So I I think that would be the first step to happen, and maybe it's just something where like there's a there's a its own governing body for football and basketball, right? The revenue making sports, and then the NCAA still oversees the Olympic sports, like maybe something like
3: that. I think the issue with that theory would be. I don't see any situation where the NCA would allow the NCAA basketball tournament to not be governed by them. Makes too much money. Exactly. So uh, I think it'd have to be strictly football, and then the NCA because I don't. they I don't. I don't think the NCA would ever, you know, voluntarily relinquish control of governing the NCAA basketball tournament.
0: Yeah, I think I think you might be right there. So maybe it's just football as its own yeah. branch, yeah. and then everything else is is under the NCAA window, but. They're going to have to adapt in some way, which the NCAA has been so bad at adapting and and changing things. So if things are changing and and there starts to be this momentum from—I mean, Kevin Warren is one of the most powerful people in college athletics because he is the commissioner of the Big Ten. So if he's getting on board with that, I would imagine Greg Sankey is kind of in a similar light there. NCAA is going to have to do something. Very interesting comments from Kevin Warren uh, earlier today. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. We've got some Devin Neal audio to share for you coming up next.